Ah, uh, yes. I don't even know how to follow that, Zay, but hey. <laughs> In the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us on a free-for-all football Friday. Going to get you primed and pumped for Texas at Baylor. All things college football. John McClain, a longtime columnist for the Houston Chronicle now, uh, doing his thing on uh, 610 radio and Houston will join us at two o'clock for all things NFL. Zay, how you doing, my man? I'm good, man. It's Friday. Feeling good, feeling great. How are you? Hey, man, I am uh, I'm ready to rumble. I'm ready to rumble. I'm ready to talk some uh, some college football, ready to talk some Texas at Baylor. And, you know, I was thinking about all the times I've been to Waco and when I first got on the beat, Baylor was awful. I mean, it was the Chuck Reedy, Kevin Steele, uh, Dave Roberts era where they just couldn't get out of their own way. And and then they bring in Art Bryles, and he's got it going. He turns the program around like I don't think people realize how bad Baylor football was before our Bryles got there. Right. And we can talk about our Bryles being a, a, you know, a, a leper, a college football leper. And our Bryles, he's got to let go of his ego if he ever wants to coach again, because this is, uh, man, this is going on a decade of him, you know, and this whole Baylor thing was complicated, right? They, I'll give you the quick rundown of what happened at Baylor. So there was, their board of regents is 35 members big. Like most schools, it's nine. Okay. You can't get anything done at Baylor because your board of regents is so big, you can't get people to move in the same direction. Well, there was a group of members of the Baylor board of regents who wanted the president of the university at that time, Kenneth Starr. They wanted him gone. And they felt like he was too popular with the Southern Baptist convention, but he wasn't doing enough for Baylor. Well, the way that they wanted to get him was to frame him basically by leaving the title nine investigator job open vacant. So the person in charge of making sure that crimes against women on campus, that job was not filled and bad things were happening. Well, Kenneth Starr figured out what was going on And he calls the Pepper Hamilton law firm and says, hey, you need to come investigate this. And the regents were like, "Uh uh-oh. And so, you know, they tell the Pepper Hamilton law firm, don't write anything down. And before the thing could get too out of hand, they pay our brows a ton of money. I was told it was 20 million for him to, to just go away quietly and be the scapegoat, basically. When there were people hire who were at fault for the sex scandal at Baylor and our Bryles, all he needed to say was 
I can't believe this happened. I'm mortified. I have a daughter. I would never want this to happen. I will spend the rest of my life making sure this never happens again. Just come across as earnest about it instead of not saying anything and then continuing to try to coach football because he he just couldn't bring himself to apologize. He couldn't bring himself to to do the mea culpa. It's like it's like Major League Baseball when the steroid era happened. It was against the law in the United States to do steroids, but it was not against the rules of baseball. So everyone was doing steroids and Roger Clements, A-Rod, all they needed to do was say, yeah, I was doing steroids because it was against the law in this country, but it wasn't against the rules of baseball and everyone was doing it. My bad. Shouldn't have done it. You know, take the Andy Pettit approach, right? Andy Pettit's like, yeah, I, I took steroids. I took HGH. I had a bad elbow. Everyone's like, oh, Andy Pettit. We love Andy Pettit. Yeah, he's a Yankee. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> Roger Clements can't get a sniff by the Hall of Fame voters because he's still saying that it the HGH was his wife's, you know, and she like took that whole thing. Raj, come on, Raj. No, that's a loyal womanship. That's what you that's, need. You need a ride or die like that. Every man needs oh, a ride sure. or die like that. That's what I'm talking about. For I sure. I don't for sure. hate on her for doing that at all. Yeah, Roger, man. For me, that's an OG move right there. You got to get you a ride or die that might, you know, jump in front of the bullet every once in a while, bodyguard style. Oh, yeah. So you, you've got, uh, and this is true, this is true, JSDTX says there's evidence Bryles recruited players who were dismissed from other programs. And Tevin Elliott is the, the biggest example of that. If you're going you're gonna to crush uh, Art Bryles, his recruitment of Tevin Elliott, he, was, he had a history of being a bad actor. Um, and then he ends up getting convicted of rape charges. He raped, he raped women at McLennan County Community College. I mean, it was a mess. And that was our Bryles guy. And, and so Bryles had some blood on his hands, but the, the overall overarching lack of support for women on the campus and the sex scandal involved people higher. The, you know, I've always talked about Reagan Ramsauer, the senior vice president at Baylor, who should have been that guy should have gone to jail over this thing, but our Bryles wouldn't, he wouldn't take his part of it. And so he's, he's a pariah, but before Bryles Baylor was absolutely lifeless. They were the ocean floor of college football. And I don't know, they owe Mac Rhodes, the athletic director at Baylor. They owe that guy a bonus they owe him the Bobby Bonilla bonus every year <laughs> because that guy was able to get Matt Rule to go to Baylor. And Matt Rule, one of the greatest turnarounds in college football because he goes, what, 1-11. and 11. Then he goes, you know, 5-7. and seven. Then he goes 11-1 and one in the regular season, gets to the, you know, gets to, gets the program back to where it's legit. And Mac Rhodes was then able to hire Dave Aranda. Dave Aranda goes two and seven the first year. I'm like, uh, he doesn't have it. He, he's in over his head. But then he wins the Big 12. 
when's the big 12 in year two? And you're like, geez, man, Mac Rhodes, he's something else. He knows how to find these coaches in places that no one else can find them. And here we are now in what year four of Dave Aranda. And it, there's something off, but this is his chance. Zay, this game against Texas, he said it himself. Fans are coming up to him. Hey, this is, if you only win one game, this is the game against Texas. We need you to win this game. I just don't think he has the horses. I don't think he has the horses. Yeah, and that starts with Blake Shapin. I mean, the quarterback that they put a lot into going into the 2023 season and him being hurt now, and now you have to deal with Sawyer Robertson. That's definitely a huge blow for the Bears. And yeah, Dave Aranda, he's a different type of cat, but I think he's good for that program. And you talk about just everything that's happened with that football team and just the whole athletic department held. You look on the basketball side, you got players killing players. Like, Baylor's gone through some stuff up there in Waco to where, yo, Chip and Joanna, they can't even get that stuff right together. So, yeah, it's it's been odd, you know, especially these last few decades. But as far as this football team goes, yeah, being one and two, I didn't expect it. I thought that Baylor, they would start off hot being three and no coming into this game versus Texas on Saturday. And... You know, when you have eight home games on your schedule, like that should be a plus. And it seems like it just hasn't been. They've lost two, Utah and Texas State, obviously. And you're right, Chip. He just doesn't have those dudes there like you saw on that 2021 team that beat Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. So, yeah, I... I think that if Texas struggles with this Baylor team, that's going to be very concerning, especially with what we've seen these first three weeks. I mean, yeah, week two was absolutely magnificent, and a lot of Texas fans are still riding that high. But, yo, I've came back down to earth, man, two toes down, like my feet planted. I couldn't be more grounded right now when it comes to this Texas football team. And you asked me the other day how nervous I am on a scale of one to ten. I gave you a five. Well, I don't know why, but just waking up in the morning, I'm feeling more like a six. I'm feeling more like a six, my guy, just because, you know, looking more in depth into this team and just all the struggles they've had offensively, like where they're ranked for offensive efficiency. That's just mind blowing, like 100 and something, 130 something, 33rd. Like that's nuts to me. Like, how can y'all be that bad, but we have so much confidence in y'all? Like, it, it doesn't add up. So, yeah, I'm looking for a blowout tomorrow, hopefully. And, yeah, man, just what Jason's saying about your homeboy, like, putting 33000 I'd slow my roll before I do that, before I go cashing in, because you just don't know what Texas team are going to get tomorrow. Yeah, Jason, um, I do have a friend who is a Baylor grad who is so down on the Bears that he's putting 33000 on Texas at minus 15. The line, I think, came back to 14 and a half, so he should have waited. But, but yeah, like, and I think if Texas is going to lay some wood tomorrow night, the defense is going to be involved again. The defense... Um, Sawyer Robertson's a turnover machine. And if Texas can stop the run, which they were able to do against Alabama. Now, Sawyer Robertson can run around. 
And so they'll He's have, more athletic than you think. Yeah. They'll have designed runs for Sawyer Robertson. And we're about to get into the part of the schedule where Texas is going to run into some serious dual threat quarterbacks, i.e. Kansas, a week from this Saturday. And so considering Jalen Milrow didn't have any designed runs uh, and was just kind of gouging Texas early in the game in, in off script, you know, broken down running plays. Um, and we talk about this Alabama against Ole Miss, there better be some design runs for Jalen Milrow this week, or Tommy Reese is truly dead man walking, but if Texas shuts down that Baylor running game, then you got a guy trying to throw it who's completing 45% of his passes with three interceptions and one touchdown. And let's uh, let's see how much film study Jade Barron and Jaron Thompson have done and if they can get their hands on some footballs and turn this thing into a route because that's how it gets done. And you get pressure on Sawyer Robertson. You make him throw balls that are what uh, what did my man Ryan Watts call them? Ignorant throws. You know, <laughs> yeah. make make the quarterback make some ignorant throws. Then, boom. And special teams. We really haven't seen special teams. Um, I mean, Xavier Worthy some nice punt returns for sure. Totally set up Texas in Wyoming territory last week a couple times, but. We haven't seen any any uh, you know big big play punt blocks anything like that, um, and let's see let's see what let's see what Texas has in store for these guys because you know don't don't give them any hope don't give them any belief don't let them hang around in this game get that get off to a big start early and make them have to live where they do not want to live, and that is throwing the football. Yeah, McLean Stadium is going to be popping tomorrow. I mean, it's sold out. This is the last time Texas is going to go to this stadium for a very long while. So, yeah, man, that's why Dave Aranda's getting all this love about, oh, if you beat Texas, man, it don't matter what the season like. You can you might not even make a bowl game. We don't care. You beat Texas. You're good with us. You might even get a bonus. And I'm with you, Chip. Like, Sawyer Robertson, those ignorant throws, I call them ignorant throws. Like, that's how bad he is with that 45 percentage uh, QBR like that's just terrible but he's gonna get the ball out of his hands quick like as more film that you're gonna see on the Texas Longhorns defense you know that a big part of their defense is that front line Tavondre Sweat, Byron Murphy, Baron Sorrell, Ethan Burke, etc., and how they just move guys in there. Bra and Trill Carter, like guys, stay fresh. So for a quarterback, getting the ball out of your hands quick, that's huge. That's huge. So I need to see these cornerbacks, John A. Bear, Ryan Watts, you know, they've been rotating Terrence Brooks and Gavin Holmes and Malik Muhammad a lot. I've, you know, we've started to notice that there's not like anybody that's taken over that spot at that corner position, which it's fine by me. As long as you're not getting toasted, then I'm good with that. But hey, you got to be aware of those quick outs like you saw against Wyoming, those quick comebacks, you know, just getting the ball out of your hands. And a guy to look out for is Drake Dabney, the tight end for uh, Baylor. He's leading the team in 
touchdowns from a receiving end. And he, when the ball's in his hands, he could really go. He could really move at 248, 6'5". So, again, the problem is they just can't get the ball in these guys' hands enough because the quarterbacks have struggled. But, yeah, I think that, you know, I don't know the situation with Monterey Baldwin at this point. We heard that he might be checked out, whatever. But, hey, he still scares me. He's a trap guy. Yo, that dude, he has absolute blazers. And Burton, the guy that's been playing a lot over him, he ain't no slouch either. Uh, Jackson, he's a solid wide receiver. And, you know, so is Hal Presley. That dude could definitely get up and make some 50-50 balls. So, yeah, I just think that establishing your dominance as a defense to where, yo, these guys can't move the ball at all. Like they, against Wyoming, the defense was good. You allowed 10 points, obviously that very long run, 62 yards at the first drive of the game. That was brutal, but they were tough no matter what, just getting off the field. I think that should be a point of emphasis this week. Like, yo, we got to give our offense more opportunities. Those long methodical drives, yo, we got to get more three and out, especially if Sark's going to call the way he does. And Hopefully that's not the case. Sark referenced last year's Baylor performance where they ran 22 straight times. Like, yo, nothing is wrong with that. We've been saying all week, Chip, nothing is wrong with playing dirty like that and just grinding it out. I get it. It's not pretty. Maybe some recruits might not like it. We mentioned, you know, Joey McGuire and why he's using Tyler Shuck so much. Maybe it's because they got Micah Hudson coming in and that's the biggest recruit that they've had at that position ever. I don't know. That's just the way college football is but nah man you earn your respect and you earn your paycheck by winning games and it don't matter if it looks pretty ugly beautiful salty whatever you want to call it just get it done and hey if they get it done which i need it to be more by more than 10 points this week then i'll be good with that and you can move on and look forward to kansas the next week so yeah i think there should be no problem handling this team but again i'm at a six i'm at a six because quinn yours the play calling it's been shaky all year hopefully they turn around tomorrow yeah hey i'm telling you this olipop oh you own it on it oh this olipop is gold baby yeah man i'm just telling you folks Get to your H-E-B and uh, and get you some Olipop. Healthy soda. So if you're like addicted to carbonation like me, then get you, get you some Olipop, baby. Yeah. And go to H-E-B to get it. Costco's got it. But, uh, man, this is good stuff. And Zay, speaking of, uh, of H-E-B, Longhorn Bear says, did you yeah. find the right wine at H-E-B? Yes, it took me a minute. Shout out to Longhorn Bear. I'm sorry I didn't get to talk to you yesterday. I was on the phone looking for that for my wife. But yeah. Did you big time Longhorn Bear? I didn't get to be. I'm on my phone with my wife and stuff trying to find this wine. And yeah, it's just, I was so distracted that he hollered at me, but I was on the phone. I was trying to get help from people. I was all discombobulated yesterday. Longhorn Bear, I owe you one. Shout out to you, my guy. Thanks I love for the it. love. I love it. Um, this comes in from Jason. Ship after the season, do you foresee Texas doing a rotating home and away football matchup with any in-state Big 12 teams or stick to the UTEP, UTSA, Rice, North Texas type scheduling? Yeah, I, I, I sure don't see Texas having any kind of rotating home and away 
with Texas Tech, Baylor, or TCU. Um, you know, legislatively, there might be some pressure from Houston, but I don't think Texas wants to to play those games anymore because what you do in that situation is you give them you give them a chance to get recruiting uh, props to get recruiting scoreboard and and so I think you'll see more of the UTEP UTSA Rice North Texas scheduling than you will Texas playing Baylor or Tech or TCU going forward and Look, I, I wrote about this at Horns 24-7 in our staff roundtable. It's like, which, which of the Big 12 teams are you most eager to say goodbye to? Like, good riddance. And I picked TCU because here's TCU. They, Chris Del Conte was the athletic director at TCU when, you know, A&M and Missouri – take off and they they got to fill the two holes and they end up bringing in West Virginia and TCU. Texas gave its godfather approval for TCU to join the league and what has happened since? Texas has gone 3 and 9 against TCU. The worst record, The worst record they have against any opponent in that stretch. 3 and 9. And now you're thinking, okay, Gary Patterson, the purple hex is gone. He's leaving. And then here comes Sonny Dykes, who's now 3-0 and against Texas. And he takes the damn frogs to the national championship game. And you're going, what is going on with the freaking horn frogs? So, yeah, good riddance. I mean, we're getting some, uh, <laughs> we're getting some good riddance to... Iowa State and West Virginia, but no one has caused more headaches than TCU. And I keep looking at that little back-to-back in November when they've got K-State at home and then TCU on the road. And I'm like, oh, Texas has always struggled with the purple. Let's see if they can get it right. But here's the thing, Zay, and I'm watching this tomorrow night. Is Texas a better road team than they are a home team? Like, do they need the the edge of people booing them and that to keep their focus. Cause some coaches say it's easier to keep a team focused on the road than it is at home because you're all in a hotel, you're on a tight schedule. It's not like they're going out and doing stuff and you can keep them focused. You, you got your little walkthrough, you, every, everything's regimented and scheduled and you know it's going to be hostile. You know everyone, the world's against you. And maybe the mental makeup, the metal of this team, the psycho analysis of this team is such that they're better on the road. And I'm watching for that tomorrow night because the slow starts have been at home. Yeah, that's a great point. That's a very great point. I mean, hopefully... You Alabama's completely out of your mind. I think leading up to the Rice game, knowing that Alabama was a week from now, and then the love that they got 
coming from the Alabama game, I think both of those things affected Rice and Wyoming. To now, you heard Sark in the presser. He loves just the vibe that he's getting from his team in practice this week, knowing that basically you're zero and zero as a record, competing with everybody in the Big 12 for a title. But yeah, yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I personally used to love playing on the road more than I love playing at home. Like, I knew if I was playing at home, my grandma was going to be there and stuff. And, you know, girls that you do were all there and teachers and just faculty. And you always had to talk to them and see them. And it's just different. While when you're on the road, yeah, like everybody's against you. And it's just you and your boys and you can really lock in. So we'll see. I mean... I don't want to put this team in the box. It's only been three weeks, but it's very easy to just looking at the stats and just looking at the patterns that we've seen. And again, I think, you know, this team just has so much leadership, especially on the defensive side that, you know, hey, there's just so many grand opportunities that we have here. Let's not muck anything up. And, you know, as far as what Jason's saying about, you know, what teams are going to play in Texas, once they go to the SEC, remember, you go into the SEC, you get duds before you start conference play. And you already got Michigan and Ohio State in the upcoming years. So um, UT, Pan American, uh, one of those teams, Texas A&M Commerce, hell, Mary Hart and Baylor, even though they win national championships, that's what we should be looking at. Like, yo, we'll pay y'all some buku money, maybe a little extra, and then we pay some of these other teams before conference play starts, and then we'll beat the brakes off of y'all just so we can fit into SEC culture. But yeah, man, I ain't trying to play any of those uh, U of H and Baylor and Texas Tech. Hell no. We're moving on. We're gone because, you know, those teams are going to be all scrappy and crazy and the fans are going to be nuts. We don't need those. We don't need those games. I'm all about competition. You're going to get everything you want in the SEC. And I just mentioned the Ohio State and Michigan game in the next two years or so. So, yeah, man, I nope. give me the duds, Chip. Give me the duds. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I was looking at I was looking at last year's. Um, Texas Baylor game because Baylor led that game 27 um, 24 with uh, early in the fourth quarter after a a fumble recovery for a touchdown and Baylor could not run the ball in that game Baylor ran it 39 times for 101 yards that's 2.6 a carry Richard Reese ran it 15 times for 54 yards. I mean, like you, you look at this and I don't even know how Baylor was in this game. I mean, it's almost like they did it with mirrors, but they had a big play touchdown early. They had a 47 yard pass in midway through the first quarter from Blake Shapin to Jalen Ellis. They also recorded a safety on Texas in that game. Um, you know, Texas was able to grind it, and and uh, but they had to settle for some field goals, and and then you had another somewhat big play touchdown. You had a fourteen yard pass from Blake Shapin uh, to Ben Sims, and. 
and then the the defensive touchdown for Baylor. So if you just don't make the big mistake, you know, this should be a pretty routine win for Texas, but we shall see. Yeah, and that starts with Steve Sarkeesian. I mean, it's been talked about for these first three games, hell, his three years in Texas or his two and some change years in Texas, that, you know, the play calling at times has been a little sketchy. And this year is just the early downs. Like when you go three and out and the ball travels through the air on all three of those plays, that's a problem. That's a serious problem. And you know, especially just with the talent you have against the teams that it happened to, Rice and Wyoming. So Jonathan Brooks having the big game that he did, C.J. Baxter having those big practices that he has, according to Steve Sarkeesian, that should give you the confidence to say, yo, let's run the football and take what the defense gives us. They know how much you want to see the ball travel in the air. Everybody does. Everybody in the nation, especially with how good – uh, Adonai Mitchell is, how good Jordan uh, Winnington is, JT Sanders, Xavier Wordy, all those guys with the ball in their hands, they can do some serious damage. So for a defensive coordinator, we're going to take that away. And if you say, I don't give a damn, Sark, I'm going to do it anyway, it results to that inconsistency that we've seen, which is very frustrating. So it does kind of piss me off to hear him say yesterday, Chip, to all you guys, yeah, we ran the ball 22 straight times against Baylor last year. Like, okay, it's in you. you. Like, you have it in you to do those things. You have it in you to, you know, not get arrogant and just take what the defense gives you. And he hasn't done that at times this year. He was perfect against Alabama. He was perfect. Like, if we grade Sark, I'd grade him right there with Quinn Ewers with a B because he was perfect. Like, again, remember the J.T. Sanders missed tackle on the Xavier Worthy reverse? Like, that was a perfect play call. J.T. Sanders, you got to make that block. You got to make that block. So, yeah, there's been times where we've seen it click very well. But, again, going into tomorrow, what's Dave Aranda going to do to take away your best assets? Like, yeah, I'm not going to let Xavier Worthy catch the ball very easily. I'm not going to let A.D. Mitchell become a problem or J.T. Sanders become a problem. You're going to have to prove to me that this offensive line, which has had its struggles, like you ranked it ninth on the Lawrence 24-7 coming into this season for position groups for a reason. They've had their struggles, and now they're missing Cole Hudson, so D.J. Campbell's the man. Like, I would test that. I would seriously test that and see if Sark has the discipline to give the ball to C.J. Baxter. Hell, even Jaden Blue, put him in there at times, even though he fumbled. He might be in the doghouse, Chip. We don't like fumbles around here. I know Sark don't like fumbles. I know Tashard Choice. Like, that's one of those program Omar Epps, Jalen Blue. You carrying the ball around West Campus all weekend, dog. We try to knock that thing out. Those things can't happen. You want playing time? That was a grand opportunity with C.J. Baxter out for you to show confidence in this coaching staff, and you throw it right down the drain. So, hey, you have to redeem yourself somehow, and maybe you've done that, but 24 Hell, number four, C.J. Baxter, let's get those guys the ball, and hopefully your run game could open up your pass game. Yeah, yeah, there's no doubt about that. And the thing about Baylor, and looking back at that game last year, even though they couldn't run it, they kept trying to run it. 
so that the play action was there when they finally hit the big plays. They hit the big play uh, twice, and then they got the defensive touchdown with some field goals. And don't don't look now, but there they were leading 27-24. Texas ends up winning that game, as Sark pointed out. Texas ran it 23 straight times to grind out the clock and and uh, and finish that game off. But yeah, I, I want to see Texas establish itself. Uh, on the ground earlier, possess the ball uh, because last week getting out possessed, um, geez, by a long shot. By a long like it shot. Was close. It was by a long shot. It was by a long shot, and they can't have that. They can't have that. And I'm I'm excited to see if Texas is uh is you know amped and ready to go on the road. Maybe they're a better road team. Um, than than we think, but it's that's going to be uh, that's going to be something. Let me uh, let me jump in here and uh, and tell everyone about audio visual consultations because look, it's it's we're getting into the heart of the college football season, and you need to make an appointment with Tom McKay and the crew at Audio Visual Consultations you know, they're busy. So get on their schedule so that you get that big screen that you've wanted or the surround sound or the lighting or the surveillance or the electronic shades that maybe you've been, you know, man, we could really dress up this room with a little lighting here, big screen there, some surround sound, but get on their schedule. I mean, just make that phone call because here's the beautiful thing. You call 512 255 8678 and Tom and his crew bring everything to you. I mean, from the free consultation to installation, they're going to take care of you. And that's what it's all about. You're busy. You don't have, you know, you don't have time to be messing around, going to the box store, trying to pick out big screen TVs. Tom McKay is going to get you the best price on the best big screen. And he's going to take care of everything, but get on his schedule because he's busy. So just call 255-8678, audiovisual consultations, avconsultations.com. All right, Zay, you called it last night, my friend, 49ers. Pan mm. on the Giants. You should have made that one of your picks. Yeah, definitely should have made that a pick. And yeah, it was... About what we all expected. I mean, you don't have no Saquon Barkley and that defense, man. They're stingy as hell. <laughs> they're just, they're so stingy. And I know we love talking about the Cowboys, which obviously we have to get into with Trayvon Diggs. You know, it kind of came out on our show yesterday about him having a knee injury. And then once we left the show, we found out it's an ACL. It's definitely as bad as what we thought it could have been. So prayers out to him. But yeah, I thought the 49ers just... They're tough, man. They're tough at every single position. They just got dudes and bringing in Hardgrave for that interior line from Philadelphia. Like he's a hoss too. Like he was getting in there sacking Daniel Jones, who, you know, I mean, he shows his right spots, but Daniel Jones, he he's he needs a lot of help. 
You know, I know he's flawed, but he needs a lot of help. He doesn't have many wide receivers. I know they have a lot of faith in Darren Waller, 6'5", but even that guy struggles to get open as a tight end, especially against that type of defense with the 49ers. So, yeah, 30-12, to absolute blowout on the offensive side. Like Brock Purdy, he ain't got to do much. He's undefeated during the regular season, and hell, I'd say he's undefeated for his whole career. I don't count that for uh, uh, NFC Championship game. The dude barely played. Like, how the hell can you count that? Like, he was out there for, what, one drive before he tore his UCL, you know, on that uh, Hassan Reddick sack? So, yeah, like, Brock Purdy hasn't lost an NFL game. And you mentioned he's just that guy that, you know, he might show his true colors later on, especially did in the big games, as you said yesterday, when he was a cyclone. But, man, I just... That 49ers team, they're motivated. They're pissed off. Christian McCaffrey actually being there for training camp. I think that is huge for what Kyle Shanahan loves to do, who does a hell of a job there. And you saw everything with their offense yesterday. You saw Christian McCaffrey getting his yards. You saw Debo Samuel, what he could do. Brandon Ayuk wasn't even playing. Like, he was hurt. They just were bringing guys in along with George Kittle and the rest of them. So, yeah, man, I... With this Trayvon Diggs injury, I think that the 49ers are the team to beat in the NFC, even though the Cowboys have playing, have been playing so well. I got to see what they look like without number seven covering those wide receivers because, hey, 97 million, it's obviously he, it's obvious that he's a big-time player. That's why he got paid that. They're going to miss him. Well, here's the thing, Cowboys fans. I'm going to give you a little bit of light okay Trayvon Diggs he uh he goes down he's out for the season it's brutal but I'm going to give you a little bit of light okay because the Cowboys defense is more than Trayvon Diggs now here's here's this is a historic start for the Cowboys defense Entering week three, they're taking on the Arizona Cardinals. They're leading the NFL in points allowed, in total yards per game allowed, in passing yards per game allowed, sacks, and takeaways. Those are the five major statistical categories that you look at. Um, This has a chance to be an incredibly special defense. We're only two games in, but get this. Entering week three, the Cowboys are allowing a 34.2 passer rating for opposing quarterbacks, lowest in the NFL. And with all the national attention on Micah Parsons, like it's hard to believe he doesn't lead the team in every statistic. Osa Odigazua, man, currently leads the NFL in pressure percentage, 27.3 to go along with three sacks to start the season. And Osa Odigizua, Micah Parsons, and Demarcus Lawrence are all three in the top six in the league in pressure percentage. So, man, you got you got dudes just getting after the quarterback. And... Yes, Micah Parsons is the only player in NFL history 
to tally multi-sack games and over 25% of his career games. Currently, Parsons has at least two sacks in 28.6% of his appearances. Next on the list are Reggie White, Hall of Famer, T.J. Watt, and J.J. Watt. Yeah, T.J. Watt's going to be a Hall of Famer also. He just broke the record for most sacks as a stealer. As a stealer, I just said. Like, we know the defensive guys they've had on that in that franchise. So, yeah, all those guys are going to be Hall of Famers one day. And Micah Parsons, if he stays healthy, he's definitely going to be one. He's amazing, man. Like, there's a clip around from last week against New York. And he was lined up in the A-gap chip. And he was, like, doing the jab set. We're seeing a lot of these basketball moves. I don't know if he stole this from Miles Garrett the week before who did, like, a crossover before he rushed the quarterback. It was, like, going between his legs before the ball was snapped and then, like, did a little jab and, you know, rushed the quarterback. But Micah kind of did the same thing. He was doing, like, a jab step, like Jordan or something. He's doing, like, a jab step. And then all of a sudden he jabbed right and goes left, and the center has it can't do anything with him. He's just so fast. That Ben, man, he just gets under you. He gets so low under your pads, and he's special. He's special. And, yeah, that's that's a big reason why the Cowboys still have a chance. I'm not counting them out. I just think San Francisco, man, I think they have the upper edge at the moment, and I think I just – Trayvon Diggs, I think he's that big of a player. But, you know, Deron Bland. They have a lot of confidence in him, you know. Jordan Lewis, they got a lot of confidence in him. Eric Scott, like all those guys. And then I didn't even mention those safeties back there. Like Wilson's about to come back. You got Curse. So they got dudes still that can get the job done. And we still have to see this Mike McCarthy-led offense or ran or calling plays offense against some more high-quality teams. But, yeah, those five stats you just named, that's a big key to success. If they could keep that up, then, hey, I see them hoisting that Vince Lombardi trophy at the end of the season. Okay, well, going up against the Cardinals, they're going to be facing Cardinals tight end Zach Ertz, who's probably ruining the day that he ever left the Philadelphia Eagles. But um, through the first two games, Ertz has six catches in each of the first two weeks. So he has 12 receptions heading into the matchup with the Cowboys. And throughout his career, Zach Ertz, mostly with the Eagles, uh, racked up 77 catches against Dallas. That's the second most against any opponent in his career. So it starts with Zach Ertz. Just zero in on him. Make sure that he's not beating you. And then the thing you got to watch out for is quarterback rushing yards against the, the Cowboys defense. Because if that's, you know, if there's any knock on the Cowboys defense, it's that quarterbacks have gotten loose on the ground. They've allowed 172 rushing yards by quarterbacks uh, or 172 rushing yards, 79 by quarterbacks. So 45% of their opponents ground game uh, have come from Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, um, and something to watch against Joshua Dobbs, who did have a 23 yard rushing touchdown last week against the Giants. So, don't let the quarterback running around.
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hound beat ya. I'm just saying. Yeah, that ain't gonna be no problem, man. Quarterback running because he got to run for his life. And them dudes are coming after him. That's like running. Like, I don't think they're phased. What they allow? 10 points last week. That Garrett Wilson touchdown. I mean, it's Garrett Wilson. That dude's just flat out special. But, yeah, zero against the Giants. Like, this team, they're licking their chops for anybody that they play. But, yo, now Stephon Gilmore, he's the main guy. And, you know, beforehand with Trayvon Diggs being in the lineup, like, yo, it's, you match up with a lot of these wide receiver tandems very well. Now, some guys, they might be out there just hung to dry. So that's why Deron Bland, Jordan Lewis, those guys got to be on their P's and Q's. Let's go. You know, they move around and stuff like that. But, hey, it's, injuries happen. That's a part of the game. It's just so physical. Like, nobody's going to be available for all 17. That's just not realistic. But how teams adapt and how teams figure things out, out with coaching and you know hopefully they can fill those misses piece missing pieces and those voids if they do that then i think they could still do what they want to do all right i got one more for you because this is the weirdest this is like the texas tcu deal so strange things tend to happen when the cowboys play the cardinals on the road since 1999 the Cowboys are two and seven in the last nine games they've played out in the desert. In those seven losses, the Cardinals have beaten Dallas in overtime three times and have two other one-point victories. Uh, in the two games the Cowboys have won in that span, the margins were by 17 and 11 points. But two and seven in their last nine trips to the desert to face the Cardinals. So this, this is one of those weird, quirky teams that the Cowboys have had trouble with. I don't, I don't expect it this weekend, Zay, but I mean, it was like the Cardinals got off to a big lead. What a 20 nothing lead on the Giants before they realized, oh, yeah, we're tanking. Yeah, I mean, look, Kyler Murray, we know he has his baggage and stuff, but when he's out there, he could play. It's just. But Joshua Dobbs, yeah. you can't lose to Joshua Dobbs. Wow, you can't lose to him, man. They you just know, signed him like a week ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm still boy. mad that they. I'm, it should be Colt this week. I'm still pissed off about that. Like I take Colt over Joshua Dobbs, especially Colt in his upper 30s. But yeah, I'm a little biased. Sue me, whatever. Um, that stat, like since 1999, 
the Cardinals have had some good quarterbacks in that span, like Kurt Warner taking his team to the Super Bowl with Anquan Bolden and Larry Fitzgerald. They probably lost to that team a couple of times. Carson Palmer, him being the former number one pick, like he had a good run where they went, I want to say, to the AFC Championship one time when uh, he was there. So, yeah, it's not just that, you know, Cardinals team that we saw in the 90s where they really struggled. Like the Cardinals, They've been all right through that span, so I'm not surprised to hear that stat, especially with the Cowboys and how up and down they were in the mid-2000s slash before. But, yeah, I you can't lose to Joshua Dabbs. Like, that's this game, I think, might be an absolute blowout. I don't know what the line is right now, but, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if it was two-plus touchdowns. So it's minus 12.5. Yeah, I'd take that Cowboys easy. Easy. Cowboys minus 12 and a half. All right. Is that one of your picks? Nah. No. That's not one of my <laughs> That's too easy. That's not one of my picks. Absolutely not. Yeah, I, mean, I take it, but no, not for the show today. Okay. Before we bring on John McClain, and I'm sure he'll have an interesting take on Baylor, Texas, since he is a proud Baylor alum. Zay, any any college games jumping out that like you're you got circled? You're gonna be on the couch for this game, for that game. Have you already mapped out your day for tomorrow? No, I definitely gotta do that. I know the games that we got that I want to check out, but like hey. OU, OU Cincinnati, it's an 11 a.m. game on Fox. OU's favored by 14. Cincinnati's like doing better than I expected, although their best win is over Pitt, and Pitt's not very good. Um that that game intrigued you at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, the Sooners, can they keep running up the points like they've done these last three weeks? Dylan Gabriel, he put up some serious numbers last week and yo him being a dual threat guy south paul like even though he's a sooner i can't help but to like his game as a football fan like that dude he is grimy and he plays hard and brent venables it seems like this team has bought in way more than they did in 2022 so yeah i want to see how they do because you know it's not too long from now, I saw them putting up big text, uh, uh, Chip, big text. He went up today. So that's just seeing them. It was like, oh, man, this game closer than we think. <laughs> like, you know, don't want to look too far ahead, obviously. Got to take care of Baylor, Kansas, et cetera. But, yeah, man, like those Sooners, they, they're going to be pissed off when they come into the Cotton Bowl when that game happens. Because 49-0, like, Texas fans are still celebrating that win. And Brent Venables knows as much as anybody being with that program as an assistant under Bob, yo, you can't lose like that twice. You can't, you can't do that. That's just especially with the success that Lincoln Riley had. So, yeah, I want to see how they look tomorrow in Ohio. But, you know, there's a lot of other games going on that I'm definitely going to have to keep my eye on. Well, like, I was I was all, like, wow about Cincinnati. They won at Pittsburgh. And then they lost last week 
to Miami of Ohio. And I was like, what the hell? Miami of Ohio? Mm, was Ben Roethlisberger playing? Right. <laughs> and here's the thing. Here's the thing about Cincinnati, okay? They've got a dual threat quarterback in Emory Jones. And they've got a really good running back in Kobe Kiner. And they've got the leading receiver in the Big 12 in Xavier Henderson, who's got 20 catches for almost 300 yards. And so you're going, okay. Yeah, sorry, Corey Kiner at running back, who's averaging 6.1 a carry. And I mean, he's run it 47 times. Damn. So that 6.1 is legit. And Emory Jones can run it. And he's completing 66.3% of his passes. So, like, I thought Cincinnati was going to be the worst team in the Big 12, but we'll see. I'm, I'm intrigued to see what they do at home against OU, who's played nobody. Like, yeah. OU's got all these stats, and Dylan Gabriel, 11 touchdowns, one interception. He's completing 85% of his passes. I mean, it's ridiculous, but they've played SMU. That's it. And they only let SMU 14 to 12 in the fourth quarter before scoring two late scores to pull away. So, yeah, talk about somebody who's embracing the SEC culture and schedule early. Oklahoma's doing that because that schedule is weak as hell. And yeah, they, they're going to be tested these upcoming weeks. They can't hide forever. So, well, in BYU, Kansas. I'm definitely interested in that at 2.30 because Texas plays both those teams um, coming up. In the, I mean, Kansas, they play next week. And I want to see if Kansas is the real deal because BYU just went to Arkansas and won. And BYU, man, they play for Kalani Sataki. And I, I look, Kansas plays for – I'm not saying Kansas doesn't play for Lance Leipold. Kansas has got some, some speed that you're like – Oh, wow, Lance Leipold is building that team with some speed. But I think I think Kansas minus eight and a half seems like a lot. Am I crazy? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I think it does seem like a lot, too. I think that game's going to go down to the wire. Uh, Slovis, he's looked solid, looked really good in Fayetteville last week, and that's a big win for them. That's not an easy place to win at going into SEC country and beating that team, and they gave you know, K.J. Jefferson fits. You know, a guy that likes to run the ball, he did not get to run the ball last week. So if they implement that type of game plan to another dual quarterback in Jalen Daniels, then they could definitely have success just like they did this past week. But, yeah, that Kansas offense, they're absolutely rolling. And a big part of being a football team at a basketball school, you ain't got no pressure. You ain't got no pressure like a lot of these other teams in the Big 12 and just around the nation. So you could have a good team and take some chances and do some things because nobody's expecting y'all to win. They come in there like, oh, it's a basketball school. These guys can't play. And then Lance Lipo's squad hits you in the mouth and you're like, oh, man, that caught us off guard. I think they do that to a lot of teams. So remember, coming into the season, this team, even though Jalen Daniels was picked to be preseason player of the year, year they were picked ninth ninth 
And I thought that was a little interesting. I thought they'd get a lot more respect than that. So if they bring that in as fuel and bulletin board material, then, yo, that gives them a huge advantage. And, yeah, Jalen Daniels comes in. They got the backup who ain't no scrub either. They're a tough squad. And I think I got the angry Jayhawks because it's football with that big-ass Jayhawk on the helmet. I'm going to take them in this game for sure. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm watching that game because that line is now up to nine and a half. Ooh, Kansas by nine and a half. No respect for Kalani Sataki and BYU. I'm just saying. Um, that uh, that's wild. Um, and then Texas Tech and West Virginia. Before we get to our man John McClain. This is the game that I feel like I'm the only person on the planet who thinks that West Virginia is going to cover this, cover this line. It's up to tech by five and a half. And I feel like Neil Brown's coaching for his life every single week. So, <laughs> I mean, if he's got that team's attention, we're going to find out because Texas tech I mean Joey McGuire, all the all the hoo ha. I mean he could really sink their battleship with a win and plunge Tech to one and three. Come on, man. Yeah, didn't expect that to happen. I thought Tech had a lot of promise coming into this season, especially with how they looked at the end of the season last year. I thought that Tyler Shuck was their dude. They beat the brakes off of Lane Kiffin's team, which is having a big game against Alabama this week. But, yeah, I thought Tech would be better. And Neil Brown, it must be stressful. <laughs> like, I feel like he's been on the hot seat for a few years now. And, you know, you would think him beating Pitt would be a good thing, especially because it's a rival game. But they're so bad he's still on the hot seat like it didn't cool off at all like oh man maybe i get some ice now we bit we beat pit maybe i get some ice for my ass no sir like that thing is still hot those pit panthers are trash garbage boy so since that's a thing neil you gotta keep on winning and if he beats Tech like Joey McGuire, this don't look good. Like, if you're guys like Micah Hudson, you have a good recruiting class coming in, they're going to be like, man, am I coming in at the right time? Like, I get it. Your pops went there and stuff. But, yo, man, like, you're trying to play to these recruits instead of winning the game. Maybe you should run the football more. And kind of back to Texas before we get John on, like, yo, Sark, these teams, they're going to run the football because – the new rules, man, 52 snaps. You thought you were going to get 70. Every snap has to count. Every snap matters. So you can't be out there BSing and stuff. And I feel like Joey McGuire, he's got caught up in that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's bring in our, our man, John McClain. John McClain, the one and only. Um, John, how you doing? Guys, I couldn't be doing better. Great weekend in college football. It's always a great weekend in the NFL. And I got to tell you something I did last night that's been near and dear to my heart for 48 years. I came to Houston from the Waco Tribune era. I worked for Dave Campbell while I was going to Baylor. And I was hired by the Chronicle to cover hockey. The original Houston Arrows with Gordy, Mr. Howe, Mr. Hockey, and his sons, Marty and Mark. Uh, Gordy came out of retirement after 25 years with the Red Wings. He was 45, and back then that was unheard of. 
you know, now he would have been Tom Brady's age. And <laughs> so it was such a big story of transcended sports that Mr. Hockey was playing with his boys. Gordy, Gordy died in 2016, but they had a the first of four day reunion with the Houston Arrows, 50 years. And I went and saw a lot of the players I covered my first two years here. I was 24 years old when I came. I'd only been on a plane once going from Waco to Odessa. And uh, it was an unbelievable experience learning the sport I knew nothing about. And uh, being an eight younger or the same age as most of the players, Mark and Marty Howe were back, as were many others. And it was an incredible experience. And I tweeted a bunch of pictures today, including me with their championship AFCO trophy, which they won two years. And they gave me a 50-year reunion cap, which I will proudly wear on all my Zooms and uh, podcasts. Well, uh, if you're, if you uh, are not reading John at sportsradio610.com, he's writing five columns a week at, uh, at sportsradio610.com. He's writing baseball. He's writing football. Um, John, before we get to some of some of those columns, uh, Texas Baylor tomorrow night, McLean Stadium. Dave Aranda is telling people the fans are saying if you only win one game this season, make sure it's Texas. He says I'm blessed to be able to do something about it. Give us your thoughts on these Bears. Right quick, I also do three Utopia football podcasts with SportsRadio610.com and make six weekly appearances. And um, I I was listening to a college football station this week in which they had the gambling experts on, and they said the best pick of the week was Baylor, 14 and a half. And I'm thinking, okay. And then I read an online story, same thing from experts, saying Baylor was the safest pick because they blew out their words, Long Island, which they didn't. And I'm guessing they must not have watched Baylor because their backup quarterback, Sawyer Robinson, has not played well. And they got their third-string quarterback in, Martinez from Northern Arizona. He didn't play well. Their offensive line has been crushed. Their leading rusher was out. Their Richard Reese last year's offensive uh Player of the year, freshman, uh, he's hardly carried the ball. And so Monterey Baldwin, one of their top receivers last year, he's an afterthought. So I don't see it. You know, Mattress Mac and I do a video once a week, and we ask me a lot of questions about teams. And I said, I think the safest pick that I've seen, NFL or college, is Texas at 14 and a half, which is what it was on Tuesday. I haven't looked lately because – the Longhorns are loaded with NFL talent. What are the odds that yours is going to have a bad game two weeks in a row? So I just don't see it. Now, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I can come on here next week and say, you know, Baylor came within 14 points, which would be like a win. And all my friends, they're saying, okay, last time Baylor ever has a chance to beat Texas in the uh, uh, in Waco, and I'm thinking, okay, they're, yeah, in Waco, they're ruling out the fact they could meet the college football playoffs. <laughs> so, it's you know, it's going to be a sold-out stadium. I hope they gave the Longhorns about 100 seats, and that won't be the case. Stadium will be half full with Longhorns. So I just don't see it. I don't see Texas 
And he said, well, you know, they, they were, the score was this against Wyoming and Alabama's not as good. People are just looking for all these excuses to think that the Longhorns are not as good. When I look at NFL talent, what the NFL experts say, they got a lot of NFL talent. Yeah, John, how do you feel about Dave Aranda at this point? Because, you know, there's been rumors floating around Waco that he's kind of lost the locker room. You mentioned Monterey Baldwin and how he's being an afterthought. Well, you know, we had a guy on that covers Baylor this week and said that dude's been pouting and stuff, which might put him in the doghouse. But Dave Aranda in year four being one and two, this isn't what Bear fans expected. How do you feel about him going into this game against Texas? Well, I'm thinking Bear fans that didn't expect that aren't very smart about football because all my buddies were saying oh man we're going to win eight or nine games and I'm like what planet have you been on <laughs> their offensive line was supposed to be good last year when all these guys came back for like their 10th years and they were terrible and then this year they've been rebuilt Jeff Grimes still the offensive coordinator he didn't get stupid in two years they just don't have the talent and uh, when you lose your starting quarterback Blake Shapin who hadn't been the same since he suffered a concussion last year. And then you go to Sawyer Robinson, who was a four-star recruit out of Lubbock to Mississippi State, and you expect better. He's got a sprained ankle. They just don't have good play up front, and they don't have good play at quarterback. They got a lot of running backs. But as the Texans know, you can't run the ball when you can't run block. So I didn't expect Baylor to win but like five games, and my friends wanted to disown me and Lose my digits, as one of them told me. And I, as far as Aranda, I watched what he did two years ago. I'm not ready to give up on him. As I said in my show, one of the weekly shows I do, somebody said, well, I think it's David Smoke. David Smoke in Waco said, well, uh, Dave Aranda needs to eat a worm. I said, wait a minute. Number one, <laughs> how many of your listeners know what you're talking about? So I explained what Grant Taft did to inspire a really bad Baylor team to upset a really great Texas team by eating a worm in a pregame speech, and they went out and they beat the horns. And so uh, Aranda is not like Taft at all. He doesn't make motivational speeches. He doesn't inspire you with the personality. He's about preparation, and he's about dealing with players and coaches behind the scenes where Taft could motivate and inspire for a big effort, like to beat the Longhorns, like in the last – game he ever coached in the Big 12. So I just don't see that, and that's one reason I don't think Baylor is going to come out and be better than the Bears are. So he could eat 10 worms. It's not going to make a difference. <laughs> well, John, um, you one of the columns you wrote this week was about C.J. Stroud and um, him showing signs of being a franchise quarterback. Um Give us, give us your, your thoughts on that. Chip and Zay, I can't tell you how impressed I am with Stroud. And I've covered a lot of quarterbacks in my 48 years covering NFL. Guys here, Warren Moon, uh, Steve McNair, Dan Pastrini, there's a lot of them. And Stroud, it's not just the way he's played, it's the way he is off the field. When he talks, he's not going to stand up there and, and, and wow you with his mannerisms or his... Um, uh, vivaciousness, so to speak. But what comes out of his mouth is so impressive. You can tell, number one, he was raised right. Number two, he is definitely a leader. And that's something you always look for in young quarterbacks. Now, he's as 
He has the second most completions to Joe Burrow after two games for a rookie in history. He has the most yards in NFL history in the first two games for a rookie without throwing an interception. He has the fourth most overall. And what makes it unusual, his running game is awful. And it's not because of the running backs. Damian Pierce, who was terrific as a rookie last year, he didn't just forget how to run. And people talked about, well, man, they missing four starters in their offensive line against the Colts. Well, you know what? Three of those guys were backups who had replaced the other starters. Against the Colts, they were on their second left tackle, third left guard, third center, third right tackle. Only their right guard, Shaq Mason, has been there all along, going back to camp, and he hadn't played well at all. So Laramie Tunsil's back, and people act like, man, it's going to be great. And as I just wrote for SportsRadio610.com, didn't Tunsil play the first game? He was sacked five times and hit 10 times. Overall, he's been sacked 11 times. That's a pace for 93. In 2002, David Carr, first overall pick, was sacked 76 times, and people wanted the coaches arrested for allowing that to happen. Well, now it's actually 93 and a half, and he's been hit 19 times in two games. And he's, we didn't know if he's going to play that last game because of a sore shoulder. Came out and threw the ball well. One step drops, two steps. Can't have a normal five step or seven and throw deep. He's got to throw on the run. He's learning better to throw it away. And his receivers have been a revelation, starting with Nico Collins from uh, third year receiver from Michigan, who's been hurt his first two years. He has second most 20 yard catches, six in the NFL, and Tank Dell. 5'8", 165, he had two touchdowns against the Colts. One was called back because of a penalty on one of those backup linemen having to start. So the passing game is the only thing I've seen, was the only thing in the last game that was a bright spot. And now they're missing three corners, including Derek Stingley Jr. He's going to be out at least four games. Tavier Thomas, the best nickel corner in the league last year based on pro football focuses grades. He's out with a broken hand. Jalen Petrie's still out. Safety and Jimmy Ward has missed the first two games of safety. He's back. So I think Trevor Lawrence will have a get-well game. But Stroud, at some point, he's destined to be like Anthony Richardson and Bryce Young, injured and unable to play. Wow. Yeah, John, what would you grade D'Amico Ryans in these first two games? Obviously, you just mentioned just all the injuries that's going along with this defense and stuff and that being an issue going into Jacksonville. But, you know, D'Amico Ryans just coming in as a defensive coordinator now becoming the head coach. How would you grade him and what have you seen, positives and negatives? Zay, it's like he goes into a fight with one arm tied behind his back. As you guys know, if your offensive line is in shambles, it affects the running game, the passing game, the defense, and too many three and outs. Defense has to spend too much time on the field. And I'm partial to D'Amico because I've known him since the day after he was drafted in 06. And all five teams that had openings last year wanted to interview him. He turned all down but Denver and Houston. He wanted to come home to Houston, as he called it, his dream job. And he's a really good motivator. He's a good teacher. I saw him Sunday chew out two players on the sideline and then put his arm around him as he walked them back toward their side of the ball on the bench. And the players love it. But the problem they have is even if everybody was healthy, they still need more talent. You know, this is the third year of their rebuild. They need another offseason with draft choices. 
They're going to have at least 80 million available under the cap. First time they've had that much. So they need another offseason. Right now they're in last place. It was where they should be. They've lost by 16 and 11. Spread this week's eight. I'm taking the Jaguars by 13. And and I don't think it's D'Amico's fault. I don't think it's the coach's fault. Now, the offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowett, came from San Francisco. He's a Kyle Shanahan protege. And he's had some questionable uh, play-calling decisions, like when they're behind late in the third quarter, handing the ball off, like us three running into a wall. I mean, even though we know we're not going to move that wall, we're still doing it when they should have picked up the pace. But they had some issues of uh, clock management and had to burn their third time out in the first game with 8-12 left in the first quarter. And he said he had to do a better job, and he did. That was not an issue. And you don't want Stroud dropping back all the time, exposing him to more hits. But the strength of this offense right now is the passing game. And it's not going to get any better as far as the run until they get a. Ready for a spring break to remember? Amtrak's got just a ticket for you and your crew. With share fares, you and your friends can save up to 60%. The more who travel, the more you save. Skip the hassle of driving through the Northeast while exploring D.C., Philly, New York, and Boston. No middle seats and plenty of legroom are just an Amtrak away. And with stops right in the heart of your favorite cities, you'll arrive downtown, not out of town. Savings start with three travelers. Eight travelers required for 60% discount. Visit Amtrak.com slash sharefares to book. Restrictions may apply. A couple of linemen off IR after four games. Talking to John McClain, um, NFL Hall of Fame voter, NFL guru. And John, uh, the Cowboys lose Trayvon Diggs um, for the season to a knee injury. It was a non-contact injury. Um, the Cowboys are going out to Arizona where they're two and seven in their last nine trips to the desert. Uh, your thoughts on the Cowboys so far? First of all, on Trayvon Diggs, it's better to, if you're going to lose one of your best players, it's better he's in the secondary than a pass rusher because that pass rush is so good. I think what, well, not me, but one of y'all could play corner because they're going to get pressure on the quarterback. They're going to do well against the run. Those quarterbacks, when they look at what the Cowboys have up front, led by Micah Parsons, you know, you could see fear in their eyes. Now they're going out to Arizona unless they all get food poisoning and can't come to the game, and they're going to win this game, and they're going to win and handle it. And even if they're bored in the first half, they'll snap out of it in the second half because they are right now, it looks like a, a legitimate, I hate to use this, these two words with the Cowboys in the same sentence, super and bold contender, even though I think San Francisco and Miami are the best teams right now because they've won their first two on the road. But uh, Diggs is a loss. They've got depth. As long as you've got that pass rush, uh, you can overcome shortcomings in the secondary, and they certainly will going against Joshua Dobbs. Yeah. Hey, John, speaking of the Diggs injury, I don't know how exactly it happened, but the first thing that comes to mind was he might have stepped on the turf too wrong, which there's been a whole bunch of players that have just had crazy non-contact injuries because of this turf. And we know these owners, they don't want to put grass in all these stadiums due to how much it will cost. But you being around the NFL and just football for so long, have you seen anything like this to where this is now become such a problem? 
is, is a problem because Aaron Rodgers got hurt and they can't prove that it had anything to do with the surface. I watched it like you guys did over and over. That same weekend, running back J.K. Dobbins from LaGrange, he blew out his Achilles against the Texans on grass. Nobody brought it up because it didn't fit the agenda. And I felt terrible for him. It's like he didn't exist. So the NFL says studies show, fact is the players want grass. But when you have grass up in, the, in Buffalo and New England and New Jersey and all those cities up there in the winter where the grass dies and you'd be constantly having to change it out every week, it could be done. And what irks the players is they'll change it for soccer players if the World Cup wants it, but they won't change it for them. But the only way that's going to happen is the next time there's a collective bargaining agreement, which is probably another eight years, and they'll extend it so maybe it'll be five or six, make that a huge issue. Now, they'll get more money in the salary cap, and the NFL always controls everything and says, okay, we'll give you more time off in the offseason. We'll give you more time where you can't get hit in training camp. We'll give you more time where you wear those little shells to protect your fragile shoulders in training camp. And But nope, we're not going to do that. But if the players want to make it an issue worth threatening to strike over, uh, they could probably do something about it. But if you go a few weeks and guys don't get hurt on turf, you'll forget about it. But it's inevitable because it's such a physical game and, and guys tackle people at all kind of weird angles, fall on their angle angles and, and rip a lot of things down there. Uh, I think it's always going to be an issue. John, um, we got the uh, L.A. Chargers and the Minnesota Vikings, two 0-2 teams. Kellen Moore, of course, now the offensive coordinator for the Chargers, and Mike McCarthy's calling the plays for the Cowboys, who are 2-0. Um, do you read anything into that, um, A, the, the Mike McCarthy-Kellen Moore uh, dichotomy, and, um, and who wins between the Chargers and the Vikings? I'm taking the Chargers. The Chargers don't even have a turnover on offense. Offense is not their problem. It's defense. Now, last year, the Vikings won like 10 one-score games. And when you do that in one season, you're destined to have it the opposite, and they are. And people are saying now, well, they should, they should trade Kirk Cousins at the deadline and tank to get one of those top quarterbacks. There's no guarantee that you're going to get them because so many teams are competing for that. And it's not just like the only quarterback prospect out there is Caleb Williams. And I think Shadur Sanders be smart to stay in school because in 2025, he might have a chance to be the first overall pick, but not this year. And I'm taking the Chargers. They had too much talent on both sides of the ball to be this bad. And as far as McCarthy, has he had to do any, any innovative play calling? No. He hadn't been behind. He had his Dak Prescott have to bring him from two touchdowns behind or anything like that? No. It's coming at some point. So right now, we know McCarthy can call plays. He did it for Rodgers. He won a Super Bowl. He announced when he was hired he's going to call plays. And afterward, Jerry calls him in the closet and says, uh, no. And then he announces, well, I'd rather Kellen call plays, which, of course, Jerry wanted him to call plays. But I don't think more is the issue. And I think McCarthy's a good coach. Jerry's not going to fire him and try to hire Dion 
after this season, maybe in two or three seasons. But I do think Des McCarthy's experience, he's, he's, he's won with a lot of different players, but they haven't been put in any pressure-packed situations yet. A team that you had a lot of confidence in before the season, the Baltimore Ravens. And, you know, Lamar Jackson, he's not running as much. You mentioned J.K. Dobbins, John, and it is very unfortunate for him to be out. That might set him back. But they're 2-0 right now, and they're looking good. And that defense is looking good, especially Raekwon Smith and Humphreys and those guys. How do you feel about them going into this game this week? They haven't even played great yet. You know, they struggled. They scored 25, beat the Texans 25-9. But Lamar, he only rushed for 35 yards. He kept him bottled up. They only rushed overall for 110 against an NFL defense that was worse in the league last year. Gave up 171 per game. And so they, I'm stunned at that deep, at that division. Cincinnati's 0-2. Pittsburgh looks not good. Its offense looks terrible. It's 1-1. One Deshaun Watson's off to a terrible start. He's getting eviscerated by the fans and the media and social media in Cleveland. One friend of mine texted me, worst trade in NFL history. And now he doesn't have Nick Chubb. And that division is not the biggest surprise. Baltimore leading, to me, is not a surprise two games in. The biggest surprise is the NFL South. It's supposed to be a pushover, just like the AFC South is. But there's three unbeaten teams in the NFC South. Now, that's not going to stay the rest of the season, but they're fired up. You know, it's amazing to me how many people in the NFL are like, wow, that B. John Robinson, man, he can catch. That B. John Robinson got some moves. And I said, what have you been on, Uranus? <laughs> if anybody's watched him knows what kind of player he was. He could have watched him in all his highlights. And there's a reason he's a favorite to be NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year. And Arthur Smith is an innovative coach who likes to run the ball, and he's covering for Desmond Ritter, who has shortcomings at quarterback, and Bijan is going to make him look good. And then New Orleans supposed to be unbeaten, and they are. And then, man, oh, man, Tampa Bay with Baker Mayfield, your hometown guy there. Baker has been tremendous. It's taken him a long time. It's his fourth stop in two years, and I think he is one of the great stories in the NFL right now, but the uh, problem is there's so many, nobody's focusing on him, but I think his start uh, is, is just a tremendous story considering where he was. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned the, um, the NFC North, and the Cincinnati Bengals are 0-2. They're taking on the the L.A. Rams this week, John. What do you think? Uh, is it time for the Bengals to bounce back? They've got too much talent not to bounce back. Problem with Joe Burrow's that calf muscle. When you see a quarterback during a game has one leg over his knee and he's got this little massage thing, massaging his calf muscle, you know he's got a problem. And that's the kind of injury that you don't get over if you're out at practice every day. You get treatment, but then you go out and you aggravate it. So it looks to me like he's going to have to play with it. I saw one of the analytics websites saying that in the past, he would take, he would throw the ball from the time he got it and like he dropped back, say it was like five seconds. It's a lot quicker than that. 
and now it's like 10 seconds. So it's twice what it used to be from the time he gets the ball and throws it. And it, you can tell, it's not like he can't read coverage anymore. He just can't move the way he did. He's fortunate that does not happen to somebody like Lamar Jackson or Anthony Richardson or Justin Fields, one of those guys. But uh, I think they just too good, too much talent not to bounce back and win that division, although I did pick Baltimore only because I was trying to be different. <laughs> hey, John, what's your take of what's going on in uh, Chicago? It's really weird. Their defensive coordinator, Alan Williams, just dropped everything and left. And, you know, they're 0-2. Justin Fields, what he said in the presser last week, was very odd about just being robotic. And he kind of blamed the coaching, but there's a clip of him hugging his coordinator that's going around social media in practice yesterday but it's still just a weird vibe in Chicago when they had so much promise coming into the season yeah no kidding a lot of people were picking them to go to first place bottom line is I'm believing he's going to be gone after this season and they're going to have a new quarterback because they're going to be really bad and they got Carolina's pick and right now Carolina's really bad and if you're going to play a rookie quarterback there's a better chance to lose than win, just like with Gardner Minshew and Anthony Richardson. Now, uh, Andy Dalton and Bryce Young, they got a chance to win more games with Minshew and Dalton, but that's not they, what they want. They want to develop those young quarterbacks. So Carolina could be bad, and the Bears have that pick. So that gives them ammunition to try to move up. The thing with Phil, somebody told Luke Getzey, the coordinator, he was there last year, and must have been Matt Eberflus, the head coach, but he had to sign off on it. Let's make him a pocket passer, which is stupid. You're supposed to maximize a player's strengths, minimize his weaknesses. They're making him think too much, read too much, instead of letting him act instinctively. Now, yes, they want him to throw better. They got him a big-time receiver. It hasn't happened because he's not fields. And... uh they just are doing a terrible coaching job. And then as far as the the defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus, was taking over that role, I've read everything I can, especially by legitimate reporters, and they're saying, well, they raided his house in Hallis Hall. And the Bears said, no, we didn't get raided. Well, there's others say, okay, it wasn't a raid. A raid is when the government comes in and confiscates everything. Well, they didn't do that. And Peanut Tillman, who was a great corner for them, is now in the FBI. And there was a story about him letting be in the one to let the Bears know that this was going to happen. So there's something there that we don't know about. And there's a lot of people speculating online, and I wouldn't, about why that could happen. And I feel I feel bad for the Bears, but there we're gonna get we're gonna find out what it is at some point soon that everybody can agree on it, but right now it looks like the Bears have been a whole doing a whole lot of storytelling. Man, that's uh that's a way to start the season there in Chicago. Um and obviously the Jets, John, I mean they go from a team that looks like they could challenge in the AFC with Aaron Rodgers to getting destroyed by the Cowboys last week. Aaron Rodgers talked about you know, him coming in for a few years, handing it back to Zach Wilson. Your thoughts on the Jets with Zach Wilson and where they're headed? Rodgers was fortunate to sit for three years behind Favre. And Zach Wilson 
they threw him to the wolves. Quarterbacks that go to bad teams, they're going to struggle. Some of them never recover mentally, and they end up bouncing all around the NFL or out of football. There's a story on The Athletic today about Blaine Gabbert and how he's made a career out of being a backup after being a high number one pick. Chase Daniels, who looked like he played for every team in the league, now does a good job on TV as an analyst for the NFL Network. So I think this about Wilson, I you think he, it's too bad that he has to play. Now, I don't know what they could do. Do they sign Colt McCoy? I would have signed Colt. I would have signed him immediately. And uh, But I'd rather have Colt McCoy than, than Wentz or anybody like that because Colt has started. He's won some games. I watched the in-season hard knocks last year uh, because I wanted to see J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins, and I was impressed as heck with Colt McCoy, especially after Kyler Murray went out. He's like a coach. I'm guessing if his career's over, he's going to be a coach. Case Keenum's another one. Those two guys made a career out of being backups, occasional starters who can go straight into coaching if they want to. But I don't know why they didn't try to sign him because Zach Wilson is Tim Boyle are not the answers. And we're no, they're not tanking trying to get a high pick for a quarterback. So uh, I felt bad for the Jets and their fans, but man, Wilson just is not shown despite a great running game and a great defense that he's capable of winning. They were five and two last year with him when Brees Hall got hurt. And when Brees Hall went down, so did the Jets. Yeah. All right, John. Oh, oh, go ahead. Last one for me, Chip. Last one for me, John. Appreciate you coming on Chip and Zay today. But uh, two teams that are going in separate directions, the Miami Dolphins, they look good. And I know they squeak one out in New England, but that's still hard to do, especially with Belichick controlling that team. And Tua, he looks good. Tyreek Hill, Waddle, all those guys. We know how high-powered offense they could be. And then the Denver Broncos, who they play this week, struggling. That game that they lost last week, they shouldn't have lost that game. And Russell Wilson, and kind of looking like what he looked last year. How do you feel about both of those teams moving forward? I wonder if Sean Payton, sorry, ran his mouth about Nathaniel Hackett's clock problems because guess what? Guess who's got clock problems? Sean Payton. <laughs> and I don't mind seeing them lose at all because I think what he did to Hackett, who I've never met, was just so classless. And as far as the Dolphins, they started great last year. They got a great offense. They got a good defense. Problem is, Tua Tagovailoa has never been healthy throughout a season going back when he started at Alabama. Can this be the season he stays healthy? If he does, he's going to get a monster extension. And also, every other quarterback is going to go out and take jujitsu because they're going to say that's the reason he stayed healthy. So I think uh, Miami's a fun team to watch. We always love a great passing game. And there is the best in the league right now. I love it. Um, all right, John, last thing, prediction for uh, Texas Baylor. What's your, what do you think the final score is? Uh, I predicted here it was 34 to 13. And uh, I feel confident in that. And by the way, in American League West, for the first time since divisional play was implemented in 1969, three teams are within a half game of each other. And it's the first time that's happened with 10 or fewer less. The Mariners ought to win it. They got the Rangers for three, the Astros for three at home, the Rangers for four at home. It's right there. Everybody here is holding their breath because the Astros have not played well lately. 
lost series to the A's and the Royals for Pete's sake. And uh, now they're playing the Royals for three here. And they've been terrible at Minute Maid Park. But I got to tell you guys, last year at this time, we were all, boy, so boring. The Astros are like 50 games over 500. And we were waiting for the playoffs. At least they're making it exciting. <laughs> hey, everybody get to sportsradio610.com. It's where you find our man, John McClain. He's all over it. He's all over uh, football, baseball. John, appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Tip and say thank you guys very much for having me. Good luck to the fighting Baylor Bears and sick them. <laughs> Thanks, John. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. I love it. I love it. Well, hey, and John called it. He said uh, Texas 34 to 13, Zay. I like it. Um, I like it. I'll take that. I would. I'll take hey, that. Hey, why don't you uh, tell our friends about Covert BK? Oh, absolutely. Covert BK, BK, and Bucky will be out there tomorrow for the pregame show. So definitely check that out. But the Covert Auto Group, they've been a part of the greater Austin area for over a hundred years. And Covert BK, who we partner with, they are just the best. Dan and the crew, they will hold you down and find the vehicle that you want and that you have been dreaming about your whole life for the next two decades or so because they're that high quality seven terrific brands buick jeep dodge chrysler gmc cadillac and ram covert b cave they have it all and if you want to go check it out go to covertbcave.com for all the latest specials and inventory they will hook you up also the one in huddle there's coverts all over the greater austin area but covert b cave will especially hold you down Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. Love it. Um, all right. So John McClain breaking down the uh the NFL and the NFC South is that is a fascinating um situation right now with three two and oh teams, and one of them is taking on my Lions. And that happens to be the team with Bijan Robinson. I got to hit the dirty bird on you, Chip. Got to hit it. Got to hit it, baby. Hopefully you see a lot of that, man. Them my Falcons. Now, ever since Bijan got there, I don't know why I haven't got a jersey yet, but I need to. I'm a Falcons fan, man. They're trying to do some things that they haven't done since, you know, obviously Matt Ryan took them to the Super Bowl. But with Bijan, man, he's giving you those Jamal Anderson feels because they haven't had a running back like that since. And, yeah, man, that momentum that they're taking up there to Motor City, Arthur Smith and that crew, Tyler Algier. And, yeah, I liked what John said. You know, they are – kind of hiding Desmond Ritter. Like, he doesn't have to do too much, which is a big reason why they drafted Bijan Robinson that early, so they could protect him, and he doesn't have to be that gunslinger. We obviously know Arthur Smith likes to run the ball anyway, so, yeah, like, it's they got a lot of young, just tough guys there, man. Like, Kyle Pitts, he hasn't even shown what he was supposed to be, being the top five pick coming out of Florida, and then Drake London being the first wide receiver taken out of that crazy draft. And had a ton of big time wide receivers in it. Like they're just, I don't even think they've hit their stride. And, you know, this Lions team, they had a heartbreaking win or a loss, excuse me, against the Seahawks with Tyler Lockett 
diving in the end zone, barely getting it in overtime. And I I hate the overtime rules during the regular season. They it's better in the playoffs, I guess, where you know if you score a touchdown, the opposing team gets to counter that. But still, like if the other if the offense doesn't get to touch the ball, like it's 15 minutes, like come on. Let it happen. Like, I don't like ties anyway. I get it. It's football. It's so physical. They want to protect the guys and not have any injuries and stuff. I, I get that. But ties in the NFL, bogus. And the overtime during the regular season, bogus. Like, let's – college, they got it right. College got it right. Got to go for two on the second possessions. If both teams score, they got it right. I love college football and those overtime rules. But, yeah, let's see if the Lions bounce back from that overtime loss against the Seahawks last Sunday. This game scares the bleep out of me. I mean, Amon Ra, St. Brown's kind of dinged up a little bit. You got Bijan looking like Bijan. Desmond Ritter completing 68% of his passes. Of course, he's going on the road for the first time. Ford Field can get pretty loud. This feels like a three-point game either way, but, man, I am, like, I'm all over this game. I mean, I'm going to watch every second of it, but... Oh man, I'm a rock. Gotta get that diet right. You heard pops. You heard John put us on Wednesday. Whatever he eating, obviously it ain't working, man. Like that's that was crazy to me because all I think about is electrolytes and bananas and stuff. Like I don't think about. Oh yeah, you're right. Like the sodium in your food that you eat every day that could definitely help you. You know, not allow cramps to you know kick in and the fact that he went to that talk about knowing your son like and then the ankle sprain that's clearly a thing but man that's yeah that john he was on point with that one yeah and and john brown if you uh you know if you've got kids make sure you're listening to that segment on wednesdays at 1 30 because um you know he said it takes four days of electrolyte loading so like I don't know if you go to, you know, those powder electrolytes you can add to your water. Like if you have kids who are competing, they need to be drinking that all week. Yeah. To get uh, to get their electrolytes right, especially if they're playing high school sports and they're trying to be, you know, performing at a high level because he said it takes four days of electrolyte loading to to be right in a in a high performance situation. So. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about that one, man. I'm, yeah. Yeah, that Jared Goff interception, that was uncharacteristic for him. Like, he almost broke Aaron Rodgers' record for most completions or most attempts before an interception, and he couldn't quite get there. And, yeah, that was huge. And then David Montgomery, he fumbled that thing. So, you know, and that just gave Seattle too many opportunities. And Geno Smith, he picked those guys apart, you know. that They got a three-headed monster out there as wide receivers with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, and then the rookie, Jackson Smith and Jigba and that's tough like that's tough to deal with and Kenneth Walker he ain't no punk either he's a solid second year running back so Geno's got weapons like that's a team that was a seventh seed in the NFC playoffs last year so yeah I that wasn't as bad of a loss especially after the Kansas City Chiefs win in week one but yeah this game playing an undefeated Atlanta team both teams have a lot to prove 
both of them do. Can Atlanta keep it rolling and go three and zero, and are they as good as? you know, maybe they can be and can the Lions bounce back and, you know, take over a pretty beat up NFC North. Like everybody's lost the game in the North. You got the Bears really struggling. You got Green Bay losing last week to this Atlanta Falcons team that the Lions are going to play. And then you got Minnesota who's 0-2. So yeah, every win counts, obviously, but the Lions, they have an opportunity to kind of separate themselves from the rest of the pack if they keep winning. Well, for today's chip shot, I'm going to go back to Cowboys fans. I'm going to try and offer you a little bit of of good news to go with the, the tough news yesterday about Trayvon Diggs going down for the season with that knee injury from a non-contact uh, injury in practice. Practice. Um, <laughs> but, hey, you know what? Um, you, you've got, you got Micah Parsons, right? I mean, he's unbelievable, but I'll repeat Osa Adigazua is currently leading the NFL in pressure percentage, 27.3% to go along with his three sacks to start the season. So you've got Odigazua, Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence all in the top uh, six of league wide pressure percentage. So think about that for a second. You got three of the best pass rushers right now in in pro football. Um, and Parsons is the only player in NFL history to tally multi-sack games in over 25% of his career games. Currently, Parsons has at least two sacks in 28.6% of his appearances. The, the others on that list are Hall of Famer Reggie White, TJ Watt, and J.J. Watt. Um, and look, you've got uh, Micah Parsons. He He's entering Sunday's game against the, uh, the Arizona Cardinals, needing just a half sack to reach the 30-sack milestone. Uh, Parsons has three sacks already this year and could feasibly get to 30 on Sunday. His 36th career game in comparison Marcus Ware, the Cowboys' all-time leader in sacks with 117, needed 46 career games to reach 30 sacks. So don't uh, don't give up hope because you get that kind of pressure on the quarterback. Uh, it makes life a little bit easier for the guys in the secondary. Come on down, Noah Bland. Uh, let's see. But uh, but really, just maintain that pressure, man. Um, and before we get to the right call with my man Zay Collier and our picks, don't go anywhere. Uh, but make your plans now for your Monday night happy hour. We got that spot all picked out for you. It is Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. My man Jack Gilmore, it's the same Jack who gives you Jack Allen's Kitchen gives you uh, Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, the best oysters, the best seafood, um, and all-night happy hour on Monday nights. So grab your date, and you're going to have great seafood. You're going to have great oysters starting at 3.30 all night long, $5 off all appetizers, dollar off all oysters and drinks, and happy hour from 3.30 to 6.30 the rest of the week. But Monday night, that's your happy hour spot. Make your plans now so that you're prepared. You get it all right with your 
you know, with your date and get over to Salt Traders Coastal Cooking, the locations in Austin and Round Rock. And then you can thank us on Tuesday's show. You know what I mean? All right. It is now time for the right call with my man, Zay Collier. Yeah, man, the right call today. Let's go to Boulder. Deion Sanders, probably the only negative thing going on in his life right now. Deion Sanders got got by the campus police or parking department because he got a ticket for his Ferrari chip. Deion, Deion Primetime Sanders, with who he is and what he has brought to Boulder with him, all the swag, 3-0, just giving the Colorado Buffalo name that brand. It's what being talked about on? like the Blue Bloods. And some fool who needs to be fired, by the way, that dude needs to be fired. Sorry, like you, you mucked up. You got to understand where you're at. If you see a Ferrari, for one, you need to know, okay, this person's different. So they might be in the wrong spot. And I, you know, everybody deserves, you know, the same treatment. No, BS. Be careful with that. Be careful with that. On some, you know, at somewhere that makes sense. In this case, it does not at all. Whoever gave Deion Sanders that ticket, I get it. It's almost the end of the month. Y'all might be trying to hit that quota, but you need to be fired and stuff like that can't happen. Like Deion... Obviously, he won't have to pay it. Somebody will pay it for him, you know, some booster or something like that. But, man, like, Dion shouldn't have to have those problems. And that just kind of shows, kind of like what we've seen here at the 40 Acres, Chip. Like, it don't matter what campus you're on. These fools that are controlling the parking, they just have too much power, man. Way too much power. And they need to be stopped. They need to be stopped. They need to be stopped. Remember my man, uh, Ajay Hall? Trying to get that boot off his car. <laughs> he doesn't have the same, he doesn't have the same cred. He doesn't have the same stuff oh, built up like Dion. Yeah, not not even close. Like I couldn't believe when I saw this. Again, it's a Ferrari, man. It's not like Dion's out here driving a Honda Accord. You know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't like he's driving a mini coupe. Like, he's driving a serious whip out here. So once you see that in the wrong spot, the smart thing would be to, okay, let me ask around. Whose car is this before I go and give them a ticket, before I risk my career? Because you're risking it. You're risking it. Like, I'd have you fired in a heartbeat. That's just me. I'd have you fired. Like, you serious? Ruthless. This guy already is going to be... Whenever the season ends, everybody's going to want Dion to leave. Like so many teams are going to try to buy Dion out. There's been NFL rumors. So we have to make him as comfortable as possible. And this don't make him comfortable. He don't want to deal with this. For one, he should have his own parking spot. I know we have to get to the pick soon and we'll definitely do that. But he should have his own parking spot like the Dean. Can we get him his own parking spot? Come on now. Come on, man. Like, and even if he didn't have his own parking spot, he should be able to park wherever he wants in the state of Colorado. Not even just the campus. He should be able to park in Denver, Colorado Springs, you know, anywhere he could park. Right in the middle of the Colorado State campus. Yeah, it, it, it shouldn't matter. It's Dion. He's bringing a lot of money into that state. 
I know Weed's doing very well, but he's bringing a lot of money into that state too. And a lot of people are locked in on to the Colorado Buffalo and what they do every week. And you're going to give him a ticket? No shame, man. No shame. Well, Zay, I'm going to start off our picks. Let's get it, man. By going right up against Dion. I think this is the week that the air, a little bit of air comes out of the tire. And Oregon covers the 21. Damn, that's high. That makes me a little nervous just saying it. That's maybe I should high. just take maybe I should just take the over. You know what? I'm gonna just take the over. Yeah. I'm gonna take the over because my man uh my man Lance Taylor, I think, liked the over even more than he liked Oregon straight up. But let's uh let me make sure that I have the latest over under for that game. Yeah. As I check scores and by the way. Somebody on our text line, 512-222-9328, talking about nobody above the law, Zay. You don't really believe that yourself. That's what we out here, us normal folk, sure. Deion Sanders, nah, it's a parking ticket. That's not like he's out here slanging cocaine. It's a parking ticket. Right? <laughs> Come on. Come on. Like, it's, you know, but yeah, 21's high, Chip. Even in oh. Eugene, that's high. Okay. I'm taking the uh, the over, 70 and a half over, Oregon, Colorado. Oh, man. Like, they're so beaten up, Colorado. They're not going to have Travis Hunter. I'm picking Oregon to win, but 21 is thick. I don't know if I could do that. I'm going to take the plus 21 for the Buffaloes. I, I think it's still going to be a loss, double digits, but... I still think they could score. They just can't stop nobody. And, you know, if they could run the ball and have some long drives, then it might not be as bad as everybody's thinking. Okay. If you see, Dion's playing the Oregon fight song at practice, like the whole time, just to get those guys ready. So he, he's, he's trying. He's trying to get everybody locked in. But, man, Shadur Sanders, some of those shots that he took last week against those Rams, like, I didn't know if he was going to get back up. He showed me some toughness, but he can't keep taking those shots. That offensive line is horrible. Yeah. Yeah, there is no doubt about that. Yeah. All right, my second pick. Or you want to go back and forth? You want me to dump mine all oh, out Oh, you there? got it. Yeah, you got it. Let's roll. Okay, I'm, I'm going to go to the state of Ohio. I'm going to count on uh, Joe Burrow's calf muscle getting a little – a little stronger. Bengals minus two and a half against the Rams. I'm taking the Bengals to finally get right at home against the Rams. And I'm staying in the state of Ohio with uh, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Yeah. I've got the Bearcats. That line's come down. I wish I'd have picked this a little earlier, but it's all right. Bearcats against the Oklahoma Sooners plus 13 and a half. I'm going to take the Cincinnati Bearcats to cover the 13 and a half at home against the Boomers. Okay. Okay. I love that. 
I'd love that. Hell, I'm loving the upset, man. I'm tired of seeing the Sooners win. I don't want any of the optimism to be out there in Norman. Oh, Brent Venables, we knew he was going to be this. He just needed to get his guys in there, and you two would become more comfortable. I don't want that. I don't want any type of success for the Sooners, especially going to the SEC. So, yeah, I hope there's an upset there and see if Cincinnati could cover the points. But... All right, man, let's get it. My picks for this Friday and the weekend. Let's go back to your Lions, man. Minus three and a half. I don't know, Chip. I don't know, man. Um, Atlanta Falcons, Arthur Smith, they drafted Bijan for a reason right there. They drafted him for a reason. And you mentioned all those guys who might be a little gimpy for the Detroit Lions, including Amon Ross, St. Brown, Montgomery. He's not going to play out there. Do they believe in Jameer Gibbs for him to be more of a bell cow guy, even though that's an extinct name in the NFL nowadays? I can't do it. I can't do it. I like what I've seen in the Falcons, man. I like them at plus three and a half. I just think that there's okay, something- that line that line's down to three. Yeah, I like it. Last down to three. Okay, I like it. I'll take it. I like the Falcons, man. I got them going three and oh, not just covering, but going three and oh to start this NFL season. That hurts. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's all right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I man. understand. I'm a Lions fan. I understand. Yeah, yeah, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. We're used to just being the punching bag. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Go ahead. Pick number two. Pick number two. I got Pittsburgh Steelers, Vegas Raiders, Pittsburgh plus two and a half. Like Pittsburgh, man. I like them. Mike Tomlin, you're 0-2. This dude doesn't have losing seasons. They got to win this game, man. Again, Vegas Raiders, like, come on. Jimmy Garoppolo, like, yeah, he's done some good things and stuff, but... Ah, nah, I don't like it. I think Mike Tomlin is going to turn this team around. And, you know, they're not going to. They beat uh, the uh, the Browns. Excuse me. Uh, they're one and one. But they're starting to kind of, this defense is starting to figure things out more. TJ Watt, he looks like he's getting back to form. And, yeah, I just can't see them losing to Vegas this week. I know it's the NFL and stuff, but I like the Pittsburgh Steelers minus two and a half. Okay. Okay. Steelers. Steelers. They, they got me. They got me a win last week in my picks. Yeah. Yeah. And then go to the college football, probably the biggest game of this weekend. Ohio State, Notre Dame. Right now it's Ohio State minus three and a half going up there to South Bend. I like Notre Dame and the points. I think that Notre Dame has the better quarterback. I think Ohio State has the better talent with guys like Marvin Harrison Jr., et cetera. But I think that Sam Hartman, Marcus Freeman, especially playing there in South Bend, I like those guys. I Everybody's choosing Ohio State, and that's what I have a problem with. You know, I, I just and Ohio State's defense, they've been very stingy this year. They've been very good to where last year they had a lot of, you know, vulnerable spots. They've been stingy, but you know, Sam Hartman, I think he could be that guy that pushes this Notre Dame team through. I know they might not have the most talent overall compared to Ohio State, but I think they do have the better quarterback. So I like Notre Dame plus three and a half. Notre Dame. 
Okay, okay. Notre Dame plus three and a half at home versus Ohio State. By the way, Zay was three and zero in his picks last week, and I was two and one. So we got Arsenio Hall on them on that one. Let's get it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, a couple other. You know I'm intrigued by, and I'm a. I got, uh, I got Central Florida. Um, these are like my bonus picks. Obviously, I picked Central Florida to beat K State. I don't know if they'll beat them, but I bet they cover the four and a half. And I think West Virginia covers the five and a half at home against Texas Tech. And man, I think BYU covers the eight and a half, or is it no nine and a half? I think BYU covers the nine and a half. Yeah, that's a lot of points, man. At Kansas, a lot of points. Like, so, what's that stadium like in Lawrence? Like, is that what, Vegas? That's what I'm saying. Is Vegas look at that like, oh, they have such a big advantage and stuff? Are they getting fog Allen in that stadium confused? I don't know. It's, just, it's dead. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Jayhawk Memorial Stadium is is like a it's like a sleepy. Like Lance said, it was sleepy. Yeah. It's sleepy. I think, uh, yeah, I think BYU covers the nine and a half at Kansas, and then Central Florida. Okay, and that leads us to Texas Baylor Zay. What do you got? Oh man, fourteen and a half. I like Texas. I'm going to go with the horns. I don't know. I want them to get to 40 so bad. Like, we were talking about that before the season. Like, these guys averaging 40 points a game. I don't know if that's going to happen. But this defense, I can't see them allowing over 14 points tomorrow. I'm going to go 35 to 13. Longhorns. I think that Jonathan Brooks and Cedric Baxter Jr. are going to have a huge game. And Steve Sarkeesian is going to prove me wrong and take what the defense gives them. And if David Randa is going to rush three, drop eight, the Horns are going to run it down their throat. And Quinn Ewers might be out the Heisman race. But as long as you're 4-0 and looking good and balanced, I'm good with that. So, yeah, I'm going to go with that. That score right there, the Horns should take care of business and cover while doing it. Okay, last week you said the Horns would cover. They didn't. I said the Horns would not cover. But this week, I think we both got the Horns covering. I'm going to go Texas 27, Baylor 10. Yeah. 27 to 10. I'll take that. I'll take that. 27 to 10, that uh, that would be a cover. Yo, shout out to my guy, uh, Chris Bennett, for sending me that Marcus Griffin pick six against Baylor back in 07, man. My dude, the greatest Texas Longhorn to come from Bowie High School of all time, Marcus Griffin. Y'all heard me. Yeah, I know who went there, the Victor Ikes and that other guy. Uh, what's his name? Uh, whatever. Yeah, Michael, whatever. Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> Marcus Griffin, the greatest Texas Longhorn to come from Bowie High School in that pick six he had. I don't think Mike had a pick six in this Longhorn tenure. Don't remember that. I don't. So, yes, he'd be good looking out, man. We got to we gotta get that. Uh, we got to get that Marcus Griffin. I got to get that 26. I do. You're right. 
I gotta get that Marcus Griffin jersey in. Yeah, y'all stay on with us on Texas Sports Unfiltered. We got Brad Kellner and Jeff Howe coming up. And then after that, well, a little bit during that show, BK will leave and Trey Elling will come on with Jeff Howe and they'll be rocking it from three to five. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In fact, I see the guys in the bullpen right now. And I'll tell you what. This uh, this Cowboys, you think the Cowboys cover, Zay? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. They're so mad about Trayvon Diggs, man. They're so pissed about that. They want to show everybody that their defense didn't have any drop-off, even though Diggs, I think that's going to come back to haunt them as you go move forward, you know, throughout the season this year. But, yeah, for the Arizona Cardinals, absolutely not. It's going to be a blowout. Cowboys 2-7. and seven. In their last nine trips to the desert, weird things happen. Yeah. Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer ain't walking through that door. Uh, they good. They fine. We're fine. All right. Let's bring in the fellas. Let's bring, bring in, in the fellas. fellas. Chip, I'm wearing my uh, my spread mark in our staff picks at Horns 24-7 like a badge of honor today. Chip is, <laughs> Ch- Chip is, uh, Chip is cleaning up. Me, not so much. Well, I think the I think the Longhorns do it in this game. The defense is going to get it done for them, twenty-seven to ten. As uh, BK, I know your cousin's always fond of the advice: never bet on Texas. Period. Just don't. Yeah, just no. no matter how no matter how you're feeling, just don't do it. No, don't, do, don't it. do it. No, All right, fellas, 